Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is the Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And welcome to the Culture Corner. I'm Bonnie Gilgallen here with Brian Mendoza. We've got some great guests today and a lot of great news to get to. Um, so, Brian, you wanted to start, kind of, we're kind of picking up a little bit from something we did on a recent show, uh, but we're talking about Britney Spears and the documentary and how sometimes we, the public, and the entertainment business are kind of hard on female celebrities in, pr- in particular. So let's talk about that. So NBC News, I got to give them credit for this wonderful article called Their Lives Were Consumed as Entertainment. Years, years later, some stars see a reappraisal. Mm-hmm. And B author, not, not the actual B author, <laughs> but a social psychologist, mm-hmm. she, once, she said, what's happening now is a postmortem. What did we do wrong and how did we fail these women? Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to say that my news feed on Facebook has been nothing but articles about how, you know, we're looking back at Paris Hilton and noticing that a lot of her problems with the law and a lot of her problems with rehab stemmed from the fact that at, at we missed the story, but at a teen facility, she would actually be abused every day. I, I saw a little blurb clip of her talking to somebody about that. Yeah. And also that Britney Spears was someone that was always pursued by the paparazzi and mercilessly, mercilessly. Yes. And the fact is that when it came to it, these women were always made fun of on television shows. And we as the audience, you know, we can't just blame, let's say, the people doing the interviews. It's them. It's all there because we're watching it. And if you watch these interviews, they're laughing. You know, Mm -hmm. there's an interview that came out from David Letterman where he was talking to Lindsay Lohan and Lindsay Lohan was going through a lot at rehab and it's, it's awful, right? Like the fact is at least she went to rehab and she had she her was trying to get it together. Yeah. And David Letterman, you know, I think that his style came off as really pushy. He kept pushing and saying, and hostile. Did yeah. you go to rehab? Um, you should go to rehab and mm. you should, and tell me about rehab. And there's a point where you can see some tears running down when she yeah. said, I didn't talk. I didn't want to talk about this. And mm-hmm. it, when you look back at it, I think we're starting to be more compassionate about mm-hmm. women going through a lot. And mm-hmm. I think that I think it's not about canceling David Letterman or to go back and talk and go after Diane Sawyer. But I think learn from it and not repeat it. Change the tone a little bit. Yeah, No, I agree with I definitely agree with that for me. Oh, somebody's car is out. But but I was going to say that that when it comes to specifically women, I think that for me, we look back at it and we have to learn how to, in my opinion, like confront issues of rehab and rehabilitation and being compassionate enough to like make people understand yeah. that people make mistakes and that celebrities are human. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think there was um, really a, a, a trend. I mean, there's always, it's human nature and always to some degree, you know, the, the public American, let's talk about America, American public builds these celebrities up because it's more, then it's fun to tear them down again. And so I think there's a lot of that, but I think there was a, there was a time where that was really, really a trend. And I think you're right. I think that maybe, and who knows why we're growing up, the COVID or the uh, reaction to 
how ugly politics has become that we're getting away from that a little bit and getting a little more understanding hey everybody does have problems and some people have mental health issues some people have drug issues and you know we're all human beings and maybe take a step back and try to be a little more understanding and i think that through time too because there was a while where marilyn monroe's public life was also you know food for fodder mm-hmm. you know people really did like to bring up oh joe dimaggio and they like the to bring scandals scandals and, yeah. and all that the kennedys and i think after a while there was a point where people were like you know this poor girl probably did suffer from a mental illness mm-hmm. and looking back at it a lot of psychologists have speculated that marilyn monroe had manic disorder mm-hmm. well her mother her mother had mental health issues so it's very possible that she did and yeah and i think I, I like to think that maybe there's a little bit of a global universal um, consciousness shift. That might be a little idealistic, but I like to think that that maybe we're all evolving a little bit spiritually and starting to look at each other with a little more kindness and love and understanding. I don't know. I could be wrong. I would like to think so too. I think now that when we think about in, I'm trying to think of a modern day example of a celebrity that is going through rehab. And I think that when we look at it, I think that they're not getting as much press anymore. Like Mm -hmm. if a celebrity goes to rehab, you don't hear about it as much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's pretty good because for me, it's about privacy. Mm -hmm. It really is. I think that some celebrities would have benefited from the paparazzi's not pursuing them. Like Britney Spears would have been in a different position. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a young star called Amanda Bynes. She was on Nickelodeon for a while back in the day. And she's also in a conservatorship. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are looking back at her situation saying, we really failed her too. Mm -hmm. We really did. And I think that, I think at this point, I would urge anyone who consumes like Entertainment Weekly and Us Magazine and those types of magazines, and I'm going to call them celebrity scandal ridden magazines, you know, do your purchasing correctly. Like, I think that if you want to see more good productive stories about people doing well and if you want to change the narrative about rehab i think it's important to spend your money and when you go to like let's say a live show if we ever go back to live shows which mm-hmm. i am hoping yeah we will at some we point. will at some point <laughs> if you go to a live show and you notice the host is not exactly doing a good thing with the guest mm-hmm. and speak up you know speak yeah. up or spend your money elsewhere you know mm-hmm. and i think also that it's always good to look back at these and lend out support. If you can put out a hashtag free Britney or free Amanda Bynes, Mm -hmm. or I'm with um, Paris Hilton and stuff like that. I think social media support's important, Mm -hmm. but also because it's never too late to lend support to someone who needed it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, you know, some of these people that get achieve this huge Hollywood global success, very young. I mean, that is really hard to deal with. I mean, it's hard enough to, you know, be an adolescent and get through adolescence in your 20s. You know, there's a lot of angst. In, but then to throw in you're in Hollywood and you're making millions of dollars and you're doing these concerts and, you know, it, that's a hard that's a hard path to navigate so uh, you really got to get some of these people a break i mean that's one of the reasons why you know frankly i mean i'm a singer and an actress but i if i ever wanted that it was for about 10 seconds and then i realized you know what no that's <laughs> way too much pro- i want a normal life. i like performing and i like applause and like to be an audience and get making a little money here and there but i i wanted also a normal life and peace of mind and mental health you know 
I think what's an important thing about the lessons we learn here is that a lot of young people who are entering Hollywood, I think that they're looking back at it and they're saying they're looking forward, I mean, and saying, okay, those are going to not only is it going to be hard for me to get in the business, but is it going to be hard for me to stay in the business mentally? Stay sane. Stay sane. Mm -hmm. And also, I think that social media has made it. I think surprisingly, social media has not become, in my opinion, the monster that it could have been like i think that if we went down the path of shaming people for going to rehab i think that social media would have added to that but i'm glad that social media is now being used as a tool for good it's and they're starting to police themselves i mean some of that came out of again all the ugly politics but you know facebook some of it they're really starting to police themselves more and not let some of that stuff on or block people or suspend them or whatever if you put that kind of stuff on there and i think they do have a responsibility i think Jeff, Mark Zuckerberg, and all these people do have a responsibility to police themselves and prevent some of this stuff from getting on there. I agree. And also, I think that the community itself, like, I think it's important to understand that there are far more positive comments Mm -hmm. than there ever will be negative comments. Mm -hmm. I think that the best thing when I go on to a Britney Spears Instagram post, because I I started following her on Instagram because in the documentary they highlighted how she throws hints about her situation. Mm -hmm. And I started following it and it's wonderful seeing all that support. And I think during COVID, I think it's good to support yourself through not necessarily support yourself, but to surround yourself by positive energy. Absolutely. And I think one of the things you should do is go to a, Go to a celebrity or go to a page where you know there's a lot of love and support and read the comments and Mm -hmm. you'll see how compassionate humans are. You know, we're so used to on the news hearing about the worst of humanity, but I think it's important to look towards the little spots where the best of humanity shines through. So I'm very happy that we're we're getting better on Mm -hmm. how to treat women in the industry, Mm -hmm. but I still think we have a long way to go. Yeah. I well, still think so. Yeah, and I think also, you know, when you put something negative on Facebook or whatever, you spew out negativity wherever it is, whether it's comments on Facebook, whether it's politics or whatever it is. I mean, I have found, uh, you know, every now and then when, when I feel like ha- have to, I've said something political, but I try to stay away from it. You find that the more, the less of those negative comments you put on Facebook or spew out, the more p- at peace you feel. You know, what you give out, you get back. And to just spend a lot of energy and time spewing out negative stuff and slamming other people, it really doesn't make you feel great inside. It really doesn't. You know, it sound, might sound, again, uh, Pollyanna, but it's the truth. If you, you know, and then you have to look at yourself and ask yourself, why, why do I feel it's necessary to, you know, somebody once said, before you speak, ask three questions. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? That's Most fair. of the time... It's not. You know, I think that's the important thing is that when you have a platform and I when you have a platform and you have the ability to speak out loud, you know, someone recently, I'm not going to say who it is, recently, Mm -hmm. you know, passed away. And I feel like they're an example of someone who didn't follow those marks. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say their name, but I'm sure someone will get the hint. But radio person, radio person. And I think that the important thing is to be is those three. Mm-hmm. principles i think that when you have a platform you have a responsibility you do have a responsibility to tell the truth be kind and what was the last one necessary necessary is oh it really is it important ne- is it necessary for you to, you know well, I, I, I somebody once said well i am always tell the truth well is it necessary to tell the truth to someone if it hurts their feelings is it necessary because a lot of times it's not 
And also sometimes I feel like we weaponize the truth mm-hmm. to a point where it's like, and in some cases it's not the real truth. Yeah. I think the truth in itself isn't a weapon. No, it shouldn't it's, be. It should be, be something that liberates. But I think mm-hmm. when, if we use it as a weapon, it's harmful. Absolutely. But real quick, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are going to have a second child. Another baby. Good for them. Good for them. I actually, you know what? I, I They've you know, been slammed a lot. Slammed I think a lot. They've been and, slammed a lot. Yeah. And yeah. I also will say that I, I have a feeling that Meghan Markle is becoming more and more independent and closely becoming... I'm not going to say like Diana because I think that's a pretty high standard, but yeah, it, it seems that she is going to be a more independent and different kind of princess. Well, and I hope they, and I hope they, I know they've done some really focus on f- charity and philanthropy and doing that kind of stuff. Cause I think that's really important. Yeah. My bad. It's not princesses, duchess. I always forget these labels. <laughs> oh my Lord. All right. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Steve Baker, who is president of the gay men's chorus. Also a singer about a big event they have coming up. We'll be back in just a bit on the Culture Corner. listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian. And we are back on The Culture Corner and now we're pleased to welcome to the show Steve Baker, who is president and first tenor with the Palm Springs Gay Men's Course. They got a big event coming up. Hi Steve, how are you? Great, how are you? Good, thank you for being with us today. We appreciate it. So, uh, what's coming up? Uh, Boucher, you're doing a big thing at Boucher. Tell us about it. Well, um, we decided to thank our donors as well as our major sponsors and supporters uh, to a wine tasting event uh, that's going to be both virtual and in person at Boucher. On Friday the 26th at 5.30, uh, we also decided to invite uh, the rest of our community and, and supporters and those interested in doing something interesting uh, rather than staying at home. Okay. And so are they, are they limiting the number of people that can come in the facility for this? Yeah, the on-site, uh, Boucher has a wonderful, a beautifully done uh, canopy tent outside, and they can hold about 30, 35 people, I think, okay. uh, depending on the size of the group. And so, yes, we have space outside and, of course, unlimited space virtually. And so how does the virtual thing w- work? What we're going to do is a, a brief introduction from myself and a couple of other people in the chorus. Uh, again, thanking all of our, our supporters and sponsors and partners. And uh, then we're going to turn it over to the, the winemaker. 
Um, we also, Jeff Hawker's arranged for uh, Lisa, a wonderful wine expert, somebody who's phenomenal at knowledge of wines and wineries. And they're going to con- conduct the tasting virtually. Um, and for anyone who signs up, uh, you can stop by Boucher and get your taste of wine as well as a charcuterie plate um, so that you can enjoy it at home. Okay, and tickets are $40 a person, correct? That's correct. Tickets are $40 per person. Um, Easy to get a ticket. You can go to psgnc.com, and in the right-hand corner, it says wine tasting. Press that button, and you can place an order for a ticket. Excellent. And you guys, uh, the Gay Men's Chorus, you've really uh, come up with a lot of initiatives. uh, You did a uh, 1,000 PPE masks made for Eisenhower. Tell us a little bit more about what some of the things you've done. Well, thank you. Uh, It's it's something very important. It really aligns with the mission of the chorus to give back to the community. Uh, We get such strong support for people attending our performances and loving the music that we do. And we also think it's important for us to give back Uh, to the community in general. So uh, once the pandemic hit and we were no longer able to perform nor rehearse, we went ahead, as you mentioned, and did uh, over a thousand masks that we provided for Eisenhower Medical Center. Uh, We also did a school supply drive um, for three elementary schools in Coachella Valley. Uh, The kids have been hit dramatically um, and they having to work at home, they school could not provide them with supplies. Um, they were not able to bring them from school. And so uh, we had a great school supply drive uh, supporting three elementary schools, and it included uh, two Chromebooks for those students that were not able to uh, get their Chromebooks working. Mm-hmm. Um, we, also, we also did a food drive for Martha's Village and Kitchen okay. uh, to help uh, resupply their pantry. Um, we also did a, a gathering of essential supplies for well in the desert for those that are uh, in need of just the basic uh, supplies to, to keep healthy and safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a, a real fun one we did um, in conjunction with the farmer's market was a toy drive at the holiday season for Martha's Village. And we did uh, hundreds of toys and gift cards that were given out on Christmas Day. Excellent. And let's talk about the Gay Men's Chorus. How long has it been around? How long have you been involved? Do you have auditions every year? Tell us a little bit about it in general. Sure, happy to. Um, We've been around for, this is our 22nd season. Unfortunately, our 21st season was a little bit quiet Mm -hmm. um, for uh, for good reason. Um, But we've been around for 22 years. Uh, We're before the pandemic hit, we were about 85 to 100 men, depending on the, on the concert and the time of the year. Um, we perform two concerts each year, or shows as we like to call it, uh, one in the uh, springtime and then a holiday concert, which is always a sellout. Um, we do have auditions every year. And if it's at all possible, we'll be holding auditions uh, Later, um, you know, later this year uh, for our season next year, assuming we can get on stage. Excellent. And how many how many members do you have right now? We have um, right now we have 
about 80, 85 on our roster. Of course, everybody's been pretty quiet with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we have been keeping in touch with everybody via Zoom and via Facebook and, and so on. But uh, right now, about 85 people. Okay. And so, again, the big event is coming up Friday, February 26th, 5.30 to 7 at Boucher. Wine tasting. You can either go in person or virtual. For tickets, you can go to www.psgmc.com and click wine tasting. It sounds like a blast, like great fun. Thank you, Steve, so much. Continued success with the course, and I hope you have a great turnout on the 26th. Thank you for your support and uh, great show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, we'll be back with more in just a bit on the Culture Corner. The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's The Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. Hey, well, welcome, uh, welcome back to The Culture Corner. I actually have a really good friend of mine and... Black Lives Matter organizer Michael Hobson on air with us. And we're going to be talking about not only the Tessica Brown situation, what happened there, and what did our society miss? Because earlier today we talked about how women get mistreated in the industry. And I think that one thing we missed out in our conversation, Bonnie, was we didn't mention a lot of black women on earth. Sometimes get it even worse, which is not right. Yeah. And I wanted to ask Michael not only... What are, your, what are some insights you can give us about the Tessica Brown situation? Because you had a really good take on it. And for those of you who don't know who Tessica Brown is, because she goes by a different thing in the media, she's the girl that accidentally put Gorilla Glue in her hair and had this whole fiasco where she had to get it removed. And mm-hmm. it was like, I thought it was a really sad situation. But I wanted to know your insights on, if you can share some insights on this situation and why it went down the way it did, Michael. Yeah, and thank y'all for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. It means a lot. I'll I'll just say I think framing is important. I think it's important. I have two uh two sisters and I know that in a in a white supremacist racist society, black women have done just odd things to their hair. And um I'm referencing a article off Essence from Candace Window. She's a writer and uh, a writer and uh, just does a great job speaking about the black uh, female experience, and she talks about that. So I think that's proper framing. That I mean, even things like creamy crack um, has some of the same ingredients that Gorilla Glue has, and creamy crack is used, you know, widely. And it, there's a there's a specific name for it, but it's called the creamy crack uh, because there's so much acidic things that damage your hair. And now that you know, we're blessed to live in a time where people have information. It's not as popular. So I think that's just proper framing. And, and you know, it was it was really sad to see the misogynoir and just that hatred of black women come out in full force, especially with other 
other black folks. And so I just think it's important to have that proper context. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, I got a, a chuckle out of it, but I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't spew any anti-blackness online. And, and I think what Candace is, is really trying to hone in on is um, this idea that we're so harsh on black people, but also especially black women. Um, so that's that's that was my my biggest takeaways from the whole situation. And and she got a solution. That's that's really the most important like fact. She she, she found a solution online and she gave back 20 grand. So oh, that's oh hi, hi, Michael. This is Bonnie. What was that last part? Hey, she she gave back 20 grand. Did you say she gave back? I'm sorry. She gave back 20 grand um, to an organization that I believe uh, helps folks in, I think, similar situations. I'm okay. trying to remember, but it was, it was towards charity. She gave it back okay. to charity. Well, good for her. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I have a question for you in, in general, and I think you're absolutely right. Black women get, get double, a double whammy because the, the misogyny and, and racism. Do you feel like it's slowly getting any better at all? I think awareness you know, and I and I come from a more, I guess, conservative family. Um, I think it's getting better. Just the awareness, the fact that we're talking about massage noir, which has been something discussed for decades among uh, Black female academia and Black women. So the the awareness is important. So I I do think it's it's getting important. They're like, you know, they they, they talk about with folks who struggle with, um, you know, any addiction to it. You have to acknowledge. You know, yeah. you have to acknowledge the thing before the addiction before you can move on. So in that in that context, yes, I think it is it is getting better. But we have we have our work cut out for us. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because like one of the things is that I think a lot of white actresses and white singers who've had problems like addiction and all that, they're getting like reappraisals and like Britney Spears and Amanda Bynes, but I feel like that wasn't that's not a sentiment that we're giving towards like women like Whitney Houston and I think that that's really unfortunate that a lot of black women like Whitney Houston don't get that support and sometimes they're not even around anymore to get that so, so it's still a double standard yeah I think so but I also wanted to talk to you about media and since it's Black History Month I wanted to see what are some media that you felt personally made you feel seen or has there ever been any media that made you feel seen in your in your own collective space wow that's a that's a good question i i watched the hate you give it's based on a book i saw that now three years ago but i do felt like i could resonate with it because you know growing up in a black family being ingratiated into black culture and then you know the character goes to a predominantly white school so i've been in those type of situations where you feel like you almost have two different identities uh, in your home and in your neighborhood, and then going to a predominantly white school, what you have to do to assimilate. And, and you don't just, you know, I, I, had, I grew up with working class black parents who did not go to college. I don't hold that against them, but there were just things they didn't teach me about, you know, navigating that type of world and what I needed to know. So I thought the hate you give overall was good. It wasn't perfect. I think, even the Judas and the Black Messiah, and that's just fresh in my head. I saw that last week. The way in which Fred Hampton held the Black Panther men accountable for their sexism, I think is really powerful. And that's what I try to 
do in in my organizing and even in my even my with my friendships is holding um other other men accountable and i just think the whole movie was was beautiful um you know not easy to watch you know because we know the ending of you know fred hampton was assassinated but it was a really beautifully shot movie and and was validating um because the revolution will always continue so to see his legacy influence organizing today is, is profound uh uh, Michael, I wanted to ask you about movies. I'm glad you brought that up. D- d- it seems so, m- to me that like maybe slowly there have been over the last couple of years more movies telling the African-American story with African-American actors, directors. Are, are you feeling that? Are you think we're moving in the right direction in that, uh, in that way? We are. We are. And I still think, you know, we have our work cut out for us. You know, there was the new Malcolm and Marie movie, which I know Zendaya was heavily she was heavily involved with which is great and she's a phenomenal actor but it was director was a white man mm-hmm. which is i was talking to another black friend yesterday i have issues with that like that's not his story Period. Yeah. maybe to get that story greenlit they had to work with him i get it you know and i'm always for black folks getting paid but you know the world i'm building is we own those stories we are the director Mm-hmm. Um, because that was a very uh, sensitive. I mean, they touched on a lot of different issues around massage noir and, and, and intimate partner abuse, and so I think it's important that Black people own that story. And so, because if not, it looks like you're just profiting off of our pain. Yeah. But, so I do think, you know, with the advent of like you know Black Panther three years ago, and you know it's getting a show and. Um, I know Childish Gambino is actually in the in the works of getting a huge Amazon deal, which is Amazon has issues, but just to see Childish Gambino, a black artist, have ownership like that is is important. So I do think we're moving in the right direction. We have a lot of work to do. Uh, Michael, I know it, 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 it. It's not the answer to everything, and I know. It, but how important do you think it is that Kamala Harris is the vice president of this country right now? I'm, I'm conflicted because, you know, contextually, she she just did all, she, she did a lot of harm. And that's, that's just the inconvenient truth. Um, and she's going to have to make up for it. She did also a lot of work around the databases to um, track the police brutality in black and brown uh, communities, which is important. Mm-hmm. She did that uh, in her time, I believe, as the attorney general when she was here in California. Uh, it's extremely important because... Uh, representation matters, yeah. but I do think, though, uh, and we're getting these issues with, like, uh, and I'm making connections, Lori Lightfoot, we're finding out the mayor of Chicago has uh, used, like, over half of COVID uh, uh, money to the cops. And Lori Lightfoot's a black queer woman mm. who's the mayor of Chicago. So my point is, it's not enough to have black folks in high places, so it will be interesting to see how Kamala operates as the VP. I'm, I'm rooting for her, mm-hmm. um, but she ha- is going to have to uh, just dismantle the status quo. It's not enough that she's a black South Asian woman at that seat. I think black folks are, are tired of black folks in high places not doing enough yeah. or perpetuating oppression like what Lori Lightfoot is doing. Um, I have family in Chicago, so I do have some skin in the game. Um, obviously, there's a huge black community there. It's a major city. So uh, in connection with Kamala, I just really hope she's able to dismantle 
the status quo, and I'm and I'm rooting for her. But she she has uh, also has her work <laughs> cut out for her. Yeah. So that's that's my take on Kamala. I wanted to ask. I think when I was te- when we were texting, I wanted to ask you: Do you ever think you'll ever wake up one day and feel like justice has been served in America for black in, for black folks? Do you think that's ever going to happen, or are you kind of oh. hoping that? to get there as close as possible or do you ever feel like you'll ever not stop? Do you ever feel like you'll ever see it? That's, that's a great question. And I I guess I'm going to use, I have to use, you know, the biblical references going up in the church and it's very relevant. I I do think, so yes, but I also feel like I'll be like Moses who didn't, he wasn't able to get his folks to the promised land, but he saw it and was able to, and saw, saw it, but he died, you know? So I, I do, you know, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to coin myself as this liberator, but I think that reference is important because, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I'm optimistic, but I don't know if I'll be able to see, you know, a world without police as someone who identifies as an abolitionist. So to answer your question, yes, um, a lot of this work is already happening, and um, I'm only 29, so I have a lot of life to live. So I think we will, I think we'll get, I think we'll get there. And, and I hope we get to, I hope we get to that point in my life. But I think a lot of this work will be after I'm, I'm dead and gone. I was also going to ask if you would like, because we're running out of time soon, I was going to say, what are some organizations that you personally would advocate if like someone during Black History Month said, was like, you know what, I want to help and do more, not just Black History Month, but beyond that. What are some organizations that you personally will endorse for someone to help out with? Yeah, as as an organizer, uh, that's, a, that's a really good question. You know, I'm a big believer in intersectionality, and, and there's a lot of intersections in, in blackness. Uh, I know the folks at the Unique Women's Coalition here in L.A. that does great work uh, really helping and uplifting uh, black trans women. Um, they do a lot of mutual aid. Um, they help get them the resources they need around transition. They provide with job placement. They do a lot of great work. Um, obviously, you know, Black Lives Matter, LA, we do some phenomenal work. Um, definitely follow BLM Los Angeles on social media. Um, LA Can, which also does great work for um, houses folks and specifically black folks in Kid Row right now. Um, LA Can does great work. And. Those are the top three. Those are the top three that I'd say that are, are good are good ways to get plugged in. And they can also reach out to me on my social media. Um, I'm at mhopson13. Um, would love to get folks connected and, and provide other recommendations on how they can get involved. Thank you so much, Michael. We'll, we'll have to cut you off. And thank you so much for coming on. And thank you. We'll be back on the Culture Corner. And again, thank you, Michael. All right. Thank you. You guys take care. All right. You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie. Hey, we're back on The Culture Corner. We have a lot of great news to talk about, so let's, why don't we just get into it? So I wanted to talk about how, I wanted to give another update. Janet Jackson did very subtly actually acknowledge Justin Timberlake's 
apology. It was very subtle. It was just an emoji. Mm -hmm. But it actually turns out that the 1986 album that she had actually rose up in the charts because of the fact that people are kind of reaching out and saying she's back in the news sort of yeah back in yeah. the news and i think that's great in my personal opinion mm -hmm. so i do want to say that it's one of those you love to see it situations mm -hmm. and i in the 1986 album was control and control has what have you done for me lately let's wait a while Had some great stuff on it yeah some some of her best work yeah yeah how about, um, tell me about this, because again, these are some things, Brian's a little more up on this than I am. This beauty YouTuber, James Charles, sparks backlash after pretending to be pregnant. So okay. I'm going to show you the picture, Bonnie. Yeah, okay. So here it is. So James Charles, he is a YouTuber who has a lot of like makeup tutorials. Uh -huh. And, you know, I even though our th our show doesn't have in the intro from... It uh, it doesn't have anything from like inter doesn't mention the internet, but it's part of the culture. Sure. So I wanted to say that James Charles did this YouTube video called Twenty Four Hour Challenge, where he does he wears like a pregnancy bump twenty four hours as a pregnant person, and a lot of people feel like it's a little insensitive. And I do want to say that my first thought is. It's just kind of a weird thing. It's weird. Yeah. It's like, what, what, what made him do that? It's you know? weird because, I mean, there are men out there like trans men who, mm -hmm. who get pregnant because uh, mm -hmm. they have a uterus and all that. But when it comes to like him, he's a cis man. So for me, like, it's kind of strange. It's like, okay. So what was his point? Do you know what his point was for doing this? I mean, other than goal, I think his point was just to have like, he was just trying to see what it's what that like to wear experience would be like, sort of. Yeah, and this is actually what he said in the in the. Uh, this is what he wrote: "Hi, sisters," because that's his catchphrase. Yeah. In today's video, I'm trying something I'll never get to experience: being pregnant. My best friend Laura is pregnant with her second baby, so she challenged me to be pregnant for 24 hours to see if I was strong enough to go through what she goes through. I hope you all enjoy the video. And some people felt that that I think one comment on there actually said that kind of summarized the backlash a little bit to pretend to be pregnant when there is women who cannot and mm -hmm. i and i didn't think about that i thought yeah that's that's a that's a thing to think about absolutely yeah and for me what makes it a strange experiment is that i think that having a pregnancy bump i know that a lot of times in high schools when they used to be open people kids would wear like pregnancy bumps and walk around to school get, for or and also i knew a, a school where they they had this whole lesson plan where p people had they had to they gave girls i think it was girls maybe boys too a doll that you had to carry around for two days or whatever that cried and you had to uh, uh, this is what it would really be like to have a baby so if you're you know make sure you don't get pregnant at 15 because this is what it's really like to give them the reality check on what that's like oh yeah and in high in my high school they went out of their way to include men too mm -hmm. where the men actually had to wear the pregnancy bump and they also had to carry the baby so around gain some empathy and understanding yeah. yeah and one of the things was that in my opinion I always was very supportive of that curriculum because I think, like you said, it gives people context as to like the responsibilities of being it's a, a parent. serious deal. It's not just a toy or a game. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I think that James Charles had good intent. Uh, well, I don't know if they were the best intentions. They were I, I call them somebody wanted to be wanted to have fun. You know, yeah. he wanted to have fun. But I think sometimes when in our fun, I think that 
when you publish it, he wanted he published the video. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that necessarily I would say he's a bad person or anything like that. I think if anything, it's just kind of a weird thing where it's Maybe kind of like poor judgment, perhaps poor judgment. Yeah, yeah certainly. Like, yeah. especially considering that I think that I think that a lot of times um, a lot of times gay men in a lot of spaces, you know, we like to pretend that we're super we're only one step away from like understanding what it's like to be a woman in America. And I think like sometimes we have to kind of look at it from, yeah, but you're still like a man. So you'll never fully understand that. And I feel like James Charles, uh, I'm just not, I'm just not. And it's just (laughs) kind of strange to me. It's just a strange experiment. And the fact that like being pregnant is a little bit more than just carrying around a little bump. It's like, Ooh, I imagine that you'll actually feel like a body inside mm. you and all that. So I don't know. It, I imagine it's different. So we kind of give him a thumbs down on that choice. <laughs> uh, th- I think it's a good segue to um, uh, Harry and Meghan are having another baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. We talked about that earlier. And like one thing I do want to say, though, is that like, oh, Lord, like that, that is like, ah, you know what? I really hope that everything turns out well and that the baby could actually grow up and actually have like. A halfway normal life. Halfway sorta. normal life. Because yeah. I know that those two are the ones that are trying to be a little bit more like normal. Yeah. That those two are specifically that. What I hope for. I mean, I I admire their um, bravery and determination to follow their own path and sort of break out of the whole tradition of the royal family. And it's, they're such, so, it's so constricted. Uh, but my only, my only concern and my hope is that, you know, now they're in. California, they're in LA or whatever, that they don't just, you know, turn this into, because well, they got tons of money and, you know, they're, they're celebrities or whatever, but that they do something constructive with it and really follow the charity philanthropic path that Diana did and really do not just revel in their celebrity. No, you know? I agree with that. I think that when you have that much power and that much um, influence, I think it's important to do the good, the most you can for the general public because mm-hmm. a lot of people, benefit it could benefit from that power you know and it's not just yourself but it could be average everyday people but also i think for a lot of people like this is just another interesting saga of the uh, of the royal family because the royal family has been documented for several decades now a long time and on the crown i think people have an especially great interest in what the royal family is going through and what they're thinking about what the queen thinks about this Mm -hmm. i think a lot of uh, one thing i do want to sort of advise is that not when the baby is born not to be super intrusive i really hope the press is a little bit more you know reserved and a little bit more private because i think as we talked about earlier i think when it comes to children and young folks who come into families that are really famous they have no choice they have no choice Mm -hmm. and i think i'm it seems like for the most part the royal family when they have children they grow up to be pretty reasonably okay or healthy children like i mean so far i think so anyway yeah yeah (laughs) like i would say like i think harry you know turned out pretty okay despite some of the tragedies in his life and well hopefully when the baby's born it's in a much better world yeah and uh, hopefully the uh i was gonna say the merkels but mm. that's not the, the i hopefully harry and megan they do the most they can with what they'd have and not only for their children for but for other people for yeah. other people too I, I just i just don't i don't i'd hate to see them 
rebel just for the sake of rebelling. I no, mean, I do agree. something positive with it. And part of the privacy thing is that some of it's in their hands. I mean, you, they can do a little bit to keep everything private. Of course, the paparazzi has a lot to do that, too. So anyway. All right. We'll be back with more on the Culture Corner. Lots of great guests right after this break.